this afternoon. We're continuing our, our ser- series here at the 2.30 service on the Father's Christmas. The title of our message this afternoon is Jesus, the Father's Great Hope. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 33, Psalm 33, verses 20 to 22. I'm reading from the ESV version. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Some incredibly affirming words there from the psalmist that we've read. And scholars are unclear over who wrote it. We certainly know that Psalm 32 and Psalm 34 were both written by David. So it's widely accepted that David did write this psalm. And there's a lot in that psalm that is attributed to him that could be connected to him. David was a man of praise and thanksgiving. David was a man who had been through a lot of the lessons that this psalmist is referencing here today. And I think our overarching goal for us this afternoon is to renew our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the first learning point for us, I believe, will be this, that we will find ourselves in situations where our only option, our sole choice is to become more and more like Jesus, where we can't give ourselves excuses or methods or use ideas or strategies of the world because it's about God getting all the glory. So if you move your eyes up to verse 1 of Psalm 33, you will see that we are the people here this afternoon that are being addressed. It is the righteous ones, the upright. It is written for those who know Jesus personally and those who are seeking to honour to live full and obedient lives to him. But we too need encouragement. We too need support. We read in verse 2, shout for joy in the Lord, in verse 1, sorry. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, in verse 2. So the psalmist is telling us here that the key to a thankful, worshipping heart is to completely rely and trust in the Lord. Amen? So that's the focus for us this afternoon. And we're going to go through verse by verse. So if we glaze our eyes to verse 20, we must wait on God. Now that's quite challenging for us in today's world, isn't it? Where no doubt many of you are reading these verses on your cell phone. Everything is instant. Everything is now. Everything is gimme, gimme, gimme now. We don't, we're not taught or trained to wait on things. It's instant world, instant gratification, instant this, instant that. But fundamental to being able to wait on God is trusting God's character and God's goodness. The word wait in the scriptures carry the focus of a confident hope and a confident expectation in God. Psalm 62 verse 5, again from the ESV version, for God alone my soul waits in silence, my hope is from him. And so to wait upon the Lord is to expect something from him in a godly hope. And Romans 5 verse 5, and hope does not disappoint. And so for us this afternoon, for us to wait on God, we need to have a heart responsive to the word, a focus on the things of heaven, and a patience deeply rooted in faith. We finished our 
our annual conference, as you know, and the theme of our conference this year was on eagles' wings, wasn't it? And it was from Isaiah 40, verse 31. Let's, I'll read it to you. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. When we wait on God, God breaks through in our situations. He breaks through in our circumstances, in our difficulties. We will find him assisting us. In our challenges, we will, he will give us strategies to overcome. When circumstances seem like there's no way out, he will provide a way out. But he's calling us today, as we finish the end of the year, he's calling on us to wait on him. Wait on him. Don't try and uh, bring catalysts or to manipulate or coerce a situation for your own benefit because you want an answer today. But we're called to trust in him. The dangers that we find ourselves in, they will evaporate. Why? Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? It doesn't say that the weapons won't be formed. It says that they won't prosper. So when you go through those trials, rejoice, as James declares. We must rely in God. We must hope in his mercy, in the goodness of his nature, of who he is, and re recall every single promise that we have in him and him alone. And we should not despair when God takes his time to respond. We should not despair, but we should continue to wait patiently on him. The reason sometimes that God waits a long time to deliver is to extend his goodness to the final conclusion. Isaiah 30, verse 18, again from the ESV version. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy for you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. Amen? Let's drop our eyes to verse 21. So important for us as Christians. We've just enjoyed fantastic praise and worship. But we must learn to rejoice in Jesus Christ. Amen? Are we happy this afternoon? Or are we just thinking, oh, I've got to go and get the turkey. I've got to go and pick something up. How long is this guy going to preach for? <laughs> no, I know, I know we're good, strong, rejoicing Christians this afternoon. But we must learn to delight ourselves in the Lord, to rejoice in God. You know, when we don't, we lose an advantage. When we rejoice in God at all times, we have the eternal fullness of joy in his presence. And that we need to understand today that genuine thankfulness is inextricably linked to trust in him. So the more thankful you are, it demonstrates how much you trust him. And so my question today is how thankful are you? How thankful are you for all that God has done in your life, for all that he is doing, present tense, and for all that he will do in your life? Because, you know, by very nature, we're not very trusting people, right? We're, we're often people of habit, creatures of necessity, if you like. And we only find ourselves trusting God when we're forced to trust God. Anyone been there, or is that just me? You know, we'll try and do everything in our own strength, and then when I've got no other ideas, no other avenues to explore, all right, Lord, over to you. But that's not the way that we're called to live. We're called to live putting him first place. First place in every area of our lives. If we can solve a problem by ourselves, we will. Often. 
but God is wanting us to engage and involve him in every single step of the process. It's only when we find ourselves at the end of ourselves that we then start to depend on him. But for us today, it's about restoring to, the, to us the joy of our salvation. That joy that flooded our hearts when we accepted him, when we bowed our knee and when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, that joy when we praise him and we give him glory in every single moment, that joy, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the season we find ourselves in, he is God and he is good all the time. He is good in and out of season, in every moment, in every situation. He's perfect and he loves you. Let's look at verse 22. Our expectations from God are not to supersede, but they are to quicken and encourage our connection to him. He will promise and fulfill every promise that he has in our lives. And the psalmist essentially finishes with a prayer, doesn't he? Let my mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Let us always have the comfort and the benefit of it, not according to the merit of us, but according to the hope and the promise which you have given us through your word. And there's many synonyms linked to trust. We see in verse 18, the word hope. Verse 22, the word hope. Waiting, that's trust in verse 20. He is our help and our shield, verse 20. Our heart rejoices in the knowledge of him, verse 21. We trust in his holy name, which is his character, his holy character. The Psalms, right through the Psalms, it's a lot, so much of it is about praise and thanksgiving, but so much of it also is about trust. Trust in a good God. Trust that he is able to deliver on every promise that he has for your life. Trust that he is willing and able to change and shape atmospheres, communities, situations, every area of your life. That nothing is impossible with God. I'm studying at university at the moment, so... I've been learning a little bit of different uh, things regarding the Hebrew, the Aramaic. But the word in Hebrew for trust occurs more frequently in the Psalms than anywhere else in the Scriptures. And it's not often that our methods are wrong, but it's the trust in the methods that are wrong, isn't it? When we go through challenges and situations. It's not trusting in the methods. It's, us, the, it's the fact that we're not choosing in that moment to trust in God. And what he's wanting for us is to deepen our trust in him. And what is the result for us this afternoon when we decide to trust him, when we decide to wait on him? Let's look at the beginning of the psalm again. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord, for it is fitting for the pure to praise him. Right through Psalm 33 verses 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5 all define what it's like when we decide to trust in God, when we decide to place our trust where our trust has been earned. You know, thanksgiving and worship, they're linked with trusting in the Lord. When we have no means of escape, when we have no other options, that's what we need to do. You know, the story of the prodigal son, we all know it. In one version of the scriptures, I forget which version, it's when he came to his senses. That's the translation. What did he do? He ran straight to his father. So it wasn't like, oh, now let me explore four or five other thoughts that I didn't think about before. And it was exactly the same thing with King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel. In one translation, it said, when he came to his senses, he began to praise and worship the Lord and everything was restored back to him. 
I believe that God wants to restore back to many of us what's been lost. I believe God wants to draw back sons and daughters in this place. And it starts with us beginning to praise and worship him, beginning to trust him and actually not have a gap, not have a bridge between what we say we believe about him and what we actually live out in reality. Because often there is a disconnect because we say we trust him this much, but then when the challenges come, it's not quite that much. It's a little bit less, isn't it? And that's where our trust needs to step in. That's where the faith needs to step in. Because in hope lies the power for a human soul to turn to God and to live as if his promises are going to come true. Psalm 31 verse 24. Be strong and take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. And by the way, hope is not an emotion. Hope is not an emotion. You know, I I have hopes that one day, this side of glory, I will see my beloved football team win the Premier League again. But on current evidence, with 15, 16 years and counting, nothing is happening yet. I will let you know if it changes. But hope is not an emotion. Hope is more than an emotion. It is a quiet confidence that what you know will happen, will happen. Why? Because the Word of God says so. Amen? Amen. It is a determination, a discipline to believe in God's power and the reality of who he is, even when your world is collapsing around you. That's so important. It's easy, isn't it, often to to praise God, to trust him when we don't really need to, when everything's going well, work is great, relationships are great, money in the bank, I'm going on holiday next week. Everything's amazing. It's not difficult to trust in God in those moments. But what about when the reverse of that is happening? He still wants our trust because hope flies in the face of what the world teaches, flies in the face of calamity, flies in the face of challenges that we have. And therefore, irrespective of what the world throws at us, we can still hope. Psalm 118 verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. That is true every single day of the week. Monday morning, 9 a.m., When you face your boss. Christmas day with the in-laws that you may or may not get on with. Don't say anything. (laughs) Keep quiet. (laughs) But we know, we know that it's true. That we, we can't just say those words. We have to believe them. We have to believe the truth of what it really says. And the key to surviving any challenge, any crisis is hope. Hope that Jesus loves you. Hope that he is right now working out a solution for you. Hope that your future is in his hands and you, you will have a better outcome. And so there's some application points for us this afternoon. One, embrace the steadfast love, hope and trust of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's with all our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. The second attribute is Psalm 91, and I recite it every couple of weeks for a number of different reasons, but it is learning to dwell in that secret place of prayer and worship in his presence. The longest psalm in the Bible is Psalm 119, and verses 171 to 173 are our third learning point, and that's learning to say with our mouth what we actually really believe. Because it's very easy for us not to do that. 
May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me, for you, I have chosen your precepts. Those are the three learning outcomes for us to foster increased levels of hope and trust at this Christmas time that Jesus is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. And the psalmist closes this prayer by expressing his resolve to continuing to trust in God, continuing to rest in his word, continuing to know his will, continuing to trust in him deeply. And therefore, as we trust in him in deeper levels, in richer levels, so our ability to grow in him also grows and deepens and strengthens. And so when we are resting in him, in spite of everything going on around us, we can declare that we as his people long for him. We are glad in him and we trust in him because we serve a God who's worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen? We serve a God who's worthy of all our worship, all our thanks, all our praise, all the time, in in and out of season, in every moment in our lives. So we can give him all the glory, irrespective of our challenges. Because God deserves all our worship. I don't believe anyone in this place is at the capacity to which we need to be able to glorify God. We've not reached that level. We've not reached that level yet. And I pray that we do. I pray that every single person in this place reaches a place where we can worship him in spirit and truth in every single moment, every single day of our lives. Sitting on the subway, in any situation, you know, and I find myself doing it. I'll share a small story. There is maybe one person in the room that became aware of it. Um, when I was at university a couple of weeks ago, I went into the library for the first time. Don't judge me. I do a lot of my reading online. And, um, you know, Apple AirPods, you know, a couple of the guys were like, let's go out and have dinner later. So I decided I was going to start work on one of my essays. And I put my Apple AirPods in and I started listening to Bethel Worship, Let Praises Rise, a song that's been on my heart a lot recently. And I very quickly zoned out of where I actually was. And so I'm typing away furiously and reading these commentaries and all these books. And then I just began to start singing and singing and singing. And very, very quickly, I had a number of people coming over to me, tapping me on the shoulder. Hey, you're in the library. Shut up. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't take the headphones out. And because I got lost, I got just got lost in the worship. I wasn't looking for background noise. I was glorifying my king. Amen. And that's just in a quiet, small library, you know, not too far from here. But that's how we should be. That's how we should be, where we can really praise him, really trust him, really love him, really honor him and renew our strength in him this afternoon. And that's what I want us to do, friends. That's what I believe God is calling us to do today, is to renew that hope, to wait on him, to recognize that he is our son and our shield, to know that he is with us, that he loves us, that his plans for us are perfect. Amen?